flood storms and wildfires, climate change is rearing its increasingly ugly head, causing tragedy and destruction on a previously unimaginable scale. In its latest report, the UN's climate change body, the IPCC, concludes that Earth's average surface temperature has increased by 0.6 degrees C since the late 1800s, and they estimate that it could rise by as much as a further 5.8 degrees C by the turn of the next century. This represents a rapid and profound change, the greatest the planet has seen in the last 10,000 years. Even at current levels, this temperature change is having noticeable impact on all lives. Indeed, according to the World Health Organization estimates, climate change is already responsible for more than 150,000 deaths per year around the globe. It is posing a huge challenge, one to which humanity is currently struggling to rise. Multiple studies emerging from Europe, the United States and Australia show that climate anxiety is linked to a perception of government inertia. Young people bear the brunt of this climate anxiety. It is their future at stake, but they have little power to influence the causes of climate change and therefore to limit its harmful effects. Climate anxiety is what we are discussing in this podcast with our network of European radio stations. And we start in Slovenia, where Katrin Šnidarčić, a spokesperson for Youth for Climate Justice, a Slovenian organization that fights for a fairer society in the environmental and social spheres, explained this anxiety in a discussion with our colleagues at RTV Slow. It should be a given that we take care of nature, so that the future of the individual is not in doubt. We're talking about a future that concerns me, you, us, and all future generations. What angers us the most is the fact that our future is being toyed with, especially by older people whose decisions will have disastrous consequences but will not affect them. Our biggest worry is that we will have no future at all. The phrase, there is no planet B, is often used by environmental activists around the world to draw attention to the fact that very important decisions are being made right now about the future of our planet. A recent study published by The Lancet found that many children and young people are experiencing climate anxiety since they will have to live their whole lives under a climate cloud, so to speak. They are particularly vulnerable to developing mental health problems. Italian Radio 24 asked Simona Sacchi, a professor of social psychology at the Bicocca University in Milan, for some further insight into this phenomenon. Innanzitutto, che cos'è l'ansia? L'ansia è una risposta adattiva degli organismi di fronte a delle potenziali minacce presenti nell'ambiente e quindi è una risposta altamente adattiva perché ci permette di affrontare i pericoli, le minacce, ricercare nuove informazioni e trovare soluzioni. First of all, what is anxiety? Anxiety is an adaptive response of organisms to potential threats in their environment. It allows us to cope with dangers and threats, to seek new information and solutions. An anxious response to the climate crisis is in fact an adaptive response. In previous decades, we had the opposite problem, that of not perceiving climate change as a threat. It is clear that climate anxiety becomes a problem when it exceeds a certain level and becomes maladaptive. In particular, climate anxiety can affect some individuals by accentuating existing psychological problems. However, 
Climate anxiety should not be thought of as an individual, intrapsychic process or as something related to an individual psychological pathology. If we look at it in the context of the younger generations, it is clearly a social phenomenon involving the interaction between an individual and their environment. Madis Wasser, who has a master's in psychology, is on the board of the Estonian Green Movement, an NGO. Wasser told Kukuradio that he has personally experienced climate anxiety and outlined how the condition typically evolves. Vädismaal on olemas sellised spetsiaalsed kliimapsühologid. There are specialist climate psychologists who have established the stages that people go through when they get climate anxiety. At first, there is the discovery phase. Aha, here is an environmental issue I did not know about. Phase two involves investigating it to find out as much as you can. You will learn more and maybe you get more anxious. Perhaps you thought it was a minor issue, but then you discover it's much bigger. The third phase is trying to do something about it, and usually not just trying to do something, but trying to do everything. Now that you are enlightened, you must do something to fix the issue. In an interview with Germany's AMS, Daniela Schumacher, psychologist and founder of Psycurio, a virtual reality therapy method suggests that psychologists are likely to play an active role in the climate change debate going forward. Alle Themen, die uns als Menschen bewegen, kommen natürlich früher oder später auch in den Therapiepraxen an. All the issues that concern us as human beings naturally come up sooner or later in therapy. And climate anxiety, in particular, is very serious and affects an enormous number of young people. Of course, it's good that the younger generation is now getting involved with Fridays for Future, but this naturally also stirs up fears. And actually, that should have been the job of the older generation. Society as a whole really has to get moving now so that something happens. Of course, the topic will now be increasingly discussed by psychologists. Psychologists are also very involved in Psychologists for Future in terms of climate change, and the chance to finally wake up and take action. As such, we will all be occupied with this over the next few years. Yet with many young people, particularly those between the ages of 14 and 25, feeling betrayed and abandoned, psychologists and mental health professionals are playing catch-up, struggling to find the best ways to support them, as Joanna Gutrell, a psychologist and psychotherapist from the University of Social Sciences and Humanities in Warsaw, told Polskie Radio. The American Psychiatric Association in its 2019 report indicated that we need to prepare for such fears and encounters in our consultation rooms. However, we do not yet have guidelines and protocols that set standards in how to tackle such fears about the consequences of climate change. Individuals fear what the future holds for them. This sets off waves of catastrophic thoughts. It triggers a wave of worry. In fact, often these individuals are concerned about whether they should have children, whether they should live where they live, whether they should collect and store water supplies. At the same time, Gudral points out that a certain degree of concern can be a positive thing. 
Zatem z jednej strony odczuwanie dystresu jest jak najbardziej pożądane, ponieważ ono właśnie zmusza nas do działania, do trochę... On the one hand, the feeling of distress is very desirable, because it forces us to act. It's a bit like in the movie Don't Look Up. If we look away from something difficult, we are turning towards avoidance. This is a form of hedging strategy that lets us reduce our tension for a while, but in the long run will not solve the problem we're facing. In turn, if this tension builds up inside us and we do nothing to reduce it, we end up feeling powerless and disengaged. This is very dangerous, especially in the context of climate change and its associated impacts, as it can drive us away from pro-environmental action and activism. This sentiment is also shared by Professor Saki, who was speaking to Radio 24. Entro certi limiti, l'ansia climatica non è un problema. Within certain limits, climate anxiety is not a problem. It is an adaptive response that also generates positive reactions. We should maintain this positive aspect. If we do not, if we scale down the perception of climate change as a threat, we will return to the previous situation in which people were not even aware there was a problem. Alexandre Heeren is a professor and FNRS Reserves Associate in Psychology at Belgium's UC Louvain. He has conducted international research on environmental anxiety and is taking part in the three-year pan-European working group on the subject. Our colleagues from RTBF ask Heeren if this relatively new phenomenon is receiving the recognition and treatment it requires in Europe. This is a common problem. We see clinical psychologists from different member states reporting to a variety of professionals that there are more and more requests coming in from people suffering from eco-anxiety, suffering from the fear of losing their jobs because of climate change, and also from young teenagers who are lost and really don't know what to do, what they can do. So we are seeing the same problem everywhere in different member states with different manifestations, of course. Hence, the idea of bringing together experts from different countries to tackle this issue jointly and reflect on it over a three years period. And clearly the idea is to formulate recommendations for practitioners, for psychiatrists, for health professionals and also in terms of an aspect that we don't always think about, interventions in the event of climate change related crisis and natural disasters. We know that after such events people experience a significant rise in eco-anxiety and increasingly question their relationship with nature, with the environment and so recommendations will also be made in this regard. This said, not everyone is moving at the same pace in terms of climate awareness and action, as Nikolai Petkov from Ecological Association for the Earth pointed out to our colleagues at Bulgaria's BNR. I think there is a lot being said on the internet, in the media, on TV and so on. The topic even appears in students' textbooks. All of this could spark anxiety in people who are already interested in this topic. But in general, most youngsters in Bulgaria are not that interested, which is sad. So the question is, why is there so little interest here? It's hard to say why there is a certain degree of apathy among our young people and students. It's not a mass thing for sure, as it is in Western countries. There, there is talk of climate anxiety about how anxious people are. And thus, it's no coincidence that these protests have taken off over the last two or three years. In July 2019, Ursula von der Leyen, President of the European Commission, 
presented her Green Deal a set of guidelines to eliminate greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. Initially, her proposals met with resistance from several countries, competing economic interests, and in some cases less heightened environmental sensitivities have slowed down the process. Yet Mother Nature's message is clear and unambiguous, and we can no longer afford to ignore it. And thankfully, mass movements such as Fridays for Future are helping people to harness their climate anxiety, as Belgian climatologist Jean-Pascal van Eperzele, an expert at the IPCC, explains. I think that everyone has the power to question the political decision-makers, the economic actors, the places where we work, and that this power, if it is used en masse, could radically change how the world works. If we work together, and this is an important factor to keep us from getting discouraged, to prevent us from being alone in our anxiety, if we work with others, we can find ways of bringing about change, sometimes on a very large scale, Look at what young people achieved in 2019, before the European elections. Inspired by Greta Thunberg and in Belgium by Anuna de Weaver, Adelaide Charlier, Kira Gontois and so on, who started a movement involving hundreds of thousands of young people around the world that, if you take a step back, had an extraordinary influence at the European level. Because I am convinced that it is thanks to this that the European program drawn up by the current president of the Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, who was originally a conservative politician, has been so green, so environmental, so focused on decarbonizing the European economy, and so on. I don't think this would have happened so quickly, with such a leap in comparison with the previous commission, if there hadn't been all these young people, other citizens too, but a lot of young people, out on the street. Taking concrete action is clearly the best response to climate anxiety and many citizens are now actively embracing a more environmentally friendly way of life. 22-year-old Italian Vittoria is one such. She explained her new philosophy to Radio 24. The greatest change I've made is to give up eating meat. The livestock sector is responsible for 20% of global greenhouse gas emissions and produces methane, whose climate changing effect is four times greater than that of carbon dioxide. Other smaller things that I do every day include drinking from a flask, buying second-hand clothes or repairing mine when they break instead of buying new ones and riding a bike when I can instead of driving a car. I still do many other things that are non-sustainable, like flying, and I still live in a house that is not powered by renewable sources, but I hope to be able to change those things in time as well. According to psychologists, climate anxiety can cause some people to struggle even with every day tasks. Turning to family, friends, teachers and specialists for support can help people to manage their anxiety. An environmental psychologist, Dovile Chorite, suggests one other very simple coping mechanism in an interview with Lithuania's Žinjura Dias. I like the American Psychological Association's recommendation on how to overcome climate anxiety. They advise looking for good news. For instance, subscribe to news feeds containing good news related to climate change. 
because there is good news out there, but it can get lost in the flow of negative information. You can help yourself, and it is important not to sit on your hands, but to do something, communicate and act. And finally, Radio Renatenza from Portugal asks psychologist Tiago Pereira how adults should approach discussions on climate change with young people so as to ensure they understand the facts without triggering anxiety overload. As parents, we can try to remember that we tend, in situations that are unfamiliar and uncertain, to overestimate their consequences. We tend to see them as even greater than they are and perception is very important. A second important point to convey is that the climate crisis and its consequences are not in themselves inevitable. In other words, there is time to bring about change. The clock is ticking, but there is time to change things. And at the same time, there are a number of positive signs to be found in the current situation. So the key thing is not to panic. We are all in this together and collectively we can find a way out. Make sure you check back next week for the latest Green Deal podcast.